0: This is Dr. Dick Little's tape series entitled Let God Open His Windows. This tape is a biblical message on tithing. It stresses that this principle of stewardship is for man's blessing and benefit. Dr. Little shares his own story of how God taught him the joy of giving. Somebody once counted all the promises in God's Word and they came up with a little under 7,500 different promises that God makes you in His Word. Today I'm going to talk about one of them, but it's one that can open the windows of blessing in your life. You see, we've got to learn we have an abundant God. We don't have a chintzy God and I'm going to brag about God today because I believe he's worth bragging about, and he comes through. Maybe you heard about the little children in the daycare center, and they were bragging one day, and one of them said, my brother takes horseback riding, and the other one said, my sister takes gymnastics And the smallest one, not to be outdone, he said, my sister takes antibiotics. (laughs) We need to get our bragging straight, but we need to brag about the Lord. Stephen Covey, the uh, time management guru, he said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And what is the main thing? The main thing is what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, seek ye first, first the kingdom of God not number one not your security not your retirement but not even your family seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you I saw a bumper sticker on a truck one time and it said if God is your co-pilot change seats I like that I spoke last week on God being first. He is first, and the amazing truth, he's first for your benefit because if he's first in your life, it's going to benefit you. And most of us need help. I heard about uh, his name is Doug Sanders, and he's a former golf professional. I don't know about his financial state, but he was talking to one of his friends, and he said, you know, I've earnestly tried to work out my finances the best way I can. And my aim is to run out of my money and out of my life at the same time. I hope my money runs out when I die. And he said, I'm in terrific shape if I die next Thursday. Well, uh, (laughs) I hope you're better off than that, but... uh, You see, God says he's going to bless us. In Psalm 1 it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. You see, this is the reason for the law. The reason for for God's law is not so you won't have any fun. It's not so you'll miss something. It's so you can gear yourself in to God's economy and God's direction where you can have the full life. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of the scoffers but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law. Why? And in his law he meditates day and night. Why? I'll tell you why. And the psalmist tells you why. And he will be like a tree firmly planted. Doesn't plant himself. Firmly planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and in whatsoever he does, he prospers. That's the reason that he meditates on the law. God told his leader Joshua about 1,400 years before Jesus, he said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night Why? So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Why? So then you will make your way prosperous and you will have success. Tell me God doesn't look after his people. And your prosperity and your success is linked to the kingdom of God and its weight in your life. And you see, we're a little short on that today in the church. George Barner, who is a church researcher, he says that apart from regular church attendance, there is little difference noticeable today between Christians and the rest of society. Now, he said that. I didn't. But the same thing happened to Israel about 400 years before Jesus because they had gone into the promised land, they had disobeyed God, they hadn't learned, it took them like it took me a long time to learn. And God let them go into captivity and then he brought them back. And when he brought them back, they restored the temple and they restored the sacrifices and the alms and the offering but that was about a 100 years before this was written. And so it had kind of got old hat. And so Malachi the prophet the last prophet in the Old Testament, he had to give them some instruction. Would you take your Bible? It's easy to find. It's the last book in the Old Testament. If you're in Matthew, you've gone one book too far. Last book in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. I want you to pretend you've never heard this before. This is the first time you've ever heard it. If this church is decent, you've heard it a lot. But even if you have, Make like this the first time you've heard it. Malachi 3.6 For I, the Lord, do not change. Aren't you glad of that? He told Israel, you better be because he said, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. That's important he said, sons of Jacob. You'll see that later. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. Don't return to me so I'll have an easier time. Return to me so I can return to you. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. As Steve was talking about, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me. Now, pay attention to that. This is the only place that I know God says it's all right to test him. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and test me. Now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your your vine in the field cast or get rid of its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed for you shall be a delightful land, saith the Lord. Now I want to talk about this blessing of God. Number one, as Steve said, the Lord owns everything. De- Deuteronomy 8.18 says, remember the Lord, he gives you the power to gain weight. He even owns what you've got because he gave you the power to get it. John Maxwell, who's a nationally known church leadership consultant and stewardship speaker, he says, get it straight. God is the owner of your house, your car, your bank account, all of it. He's the owner. You are the manager. That's your job. You are to manage it. Second of all, the Bible teaches God's part comes first. Remember Cain and Abel? Abel gave of the first. He took the best and gave it. And Cain gave what he could afford. He did not give the best. And God opens his book by saying, I don't want your leftover stuff. I don't want your refrigerator for the church kitchen that's 20 years old. I don't want your clock for the foyer that doesn't run. I want the first fruits. And when I get the first fruits, then I will bless you. Also, the Bible says that this is not Optional. Malachi says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. That was not a request. Hebrews 7, 9 says that Abraham and Levi paid tithes. Now notice the word there. You don't give the tithe because that's not yours to give. That's God's. You pay the tithe. There's a difference in that. Also in Leviticus 27, 30, it says the tithe is the Lord's. All the tithe of the land, of the seed or of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's and it is holy to the Lord. Also we are to bring it into the storehouse. In Deuteronomy 14, it describes the storehouse. It says the storehouse is where the presence of the Lord is and where he chooses to establish his name. It's where the presence of the Lord is and where he chooses to establish his name. And if you either belong to KPC or you regularly come here and you get your feeding here primarily, then this is the part of the kingdom where your tithe is to be brought because it's to be brought into the place of God's storehouse and I'm so glad that I'm not your full time preacher and I can say that because uh, otherwise I hope you don't think that's self serving but you see when you take your tithe let me say you say okay now I'm going to give 10% to the Lord really am but i got an Aunt Minnie who's real sick and she doesn't have any money, or I've got an Uncle John, or, or I know that Billy Graham needs some money, CBN needs some money, and all these places, so Lord, I'm going to give part of my tithe to keep. He said, I'm going to give part of it here, there, and up. Where do you get off doing that? Where do you get off doing that? That's not yours. Suppose I went to you and I said, you know what I want you to do with your tithe? I want you to give part of it to my Aunt Minnie. She's having a hard time. You'd say, get out of here. (laughs) That's not for you to determine. The tithe is the Lord's. We don't give the tithe. We pay the tithe. And we elect leaders of this church. And if we elect them, and if you come here regularly or you're a member, you're saying you like this place and what to do, then trust them. They can take care of the Lord's money. And even if they don't, and even if they don't do it like you think maybe they ought to, still God will bless you. Because you're not acting like it's your money, you're acting like it's His. And God says if you don't do that, you'll rob Him. Now isn't that ridiculous? We're going to rob God. How in the world are we going to rob God? God has it all. You can't rob God except in one way. Let me tell you how you rob God. You rob Him. Of the opportunity to bless you, that's how you rob God. When you don't treat the tithe like it's his, you treat it like it's yours, or you don't bring bring it. It doesn't hurt him, but it hurts him because he can't bless you the way that he wants to bless you. I had an elder in my first church, and. Um, he came to me one day and he said, Preacher, I know you talk about the tithe and all that, and, but let me tell you, I'm doing the best I can, and I've decided that I'd give 7%. I can't give 10%, but I'll give 7%. Now, I said, all right, I didn't have a choice. But I didn't tell him it was all right for him to do it. I just said, okay, I understand that. But no way did I encourage him. He had a son who got in a lot of problems He got into drunk driving. He got in jail. And his father went and hired a lawyer. Now, this was some years ago. You don't get lawyers that cheap anymore. But he hired a lawyer. Now, he worked in the shipyard. He was a, I think they call him a quarterman in the shipyard over in Newford News. And I knew what quarterman made in the shipyard. So I figured up what 10% of what he made would be and I figured up what 7% of what he made would be. He hired that lawyer for his son. The lawyer cost him $200. What do you reckon the difference is between the tithe of a quarterman's salary in the shipyard at that time and the full tithe between 7% and 10%, it was $200. Beloved, we don't get away with it when we rob God. We may not give it, but I don't believe that we Keep it. And you know what we do when we say, God, I'm not going to do what you say. I'm not going to bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Let me tell you what we're saying. We're saying, God, keep those windows shut. I won't do it your way. I'll take care of my finances. And God will say, okay, you do it. I am just so sorry you're robbing me of the blessing to open that window and bless you. Now, I want to give a word of caution here. And that is that um, we need to read what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. He said, And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need. Now, notice not all you want. All you need. You will abound in every good work. Why do we have more than we need? We have more than we need so that we can abound in God's work. We have what we need, not to make us rich. God's not interested in making you rich unless he knows you know how to handle it, unless he knows you're a channel. I believe he calls some people to get rich for the kingdom of God because he knows the more they have, the more they will pour into the Lord's work. And the Bible says you get God's riches for liberality. And, and you, this is not a get-rich-quick scheme. I listened to some preachers. Heard about one in Florida that told people if they would tithe, God would give them a hundredfold return. hundredfold, you bring that tithe down here, and we'll give you a hundredfold return. That talks about the hundredfold return. doesn't say money. But he's talking about the 100-fold return. Man did that. I mean, I would too, wouldn't you? you find a stock that you'd get a 100-fold return on, wouldn't you buy it? That's not righteous, that's just smart. <laughs> and he did it. And it didn't happen, and he sued the church. And he should have, really should have. Paul gives a warning. He says, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves through with many griefs. Now he does say that, but re- balance it with what else he says. He says in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. We don't just get spiritual blessings. We get financial blessings. We get physical blessings. The Bible says you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now I want to give you just a a little piece of logic. You can't give big unless you have big, can you? You can't give my money. You can't give your daddy's money unless he gives it to you. The only way you can give big is to have big. Therefore, if God wants big givers, what's he got to do? He's got to give it to the givers. And somebody said, "You give not as a debt, not as a debt you owe, but as a seed you sow." Now, why do you sow that seed? So you can have a Lexus, so you can have a five hundred thousand dollar home. Is that all of that? Is that why you give? No, you give. So that you sow, you get more, and you can give more to the king. Some people give their lives. You can give more out of your pocketbook. Tithing is not an Old Testament law superseded by the dispensation of grace. When did tithe begin? When did the tithe begin? It began in Genesis 14 when Abraham gave tithes to the priest Melchizedek and that was before Moses and that was before the law. So tithing began before the law and follows the law. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Do not think I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. In Matthew 23, he says that we should not neglect the tithe. In Hebrews chapter 7 and 8, Jesus is pictured as our high priest, and they gave the tithe to the high priest. Paul wrote, "Do we then nullify the Lord through faith. May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. We're not doing without the law, we are establishing the law. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, it says, and after you have suffered for a little while, sometimes you suffer in keeping the law because it goes contrary to what our selfish desires want. So sometimes you suffer. And it says, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, and strengthen you. Now, I may tell you here something that you didn't know. In the Old Testament, all of the ties went to the Levites. You remember the tribes of Israel were named after Jacob's children, and there were twelve tribes. But they replaced they replaced <clears throat> uh, the tribe of Joseph. Because Jacob considered Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, as his own sons. So you take one away, you add two, that means you've got 13 tribes. But one tribe was the tribe of Levi. And they had no uh, land inheritance and they had no money inheritance, but the tithes of the 12 tribes were to go to the Levites. Now tithe of 12 is a little bit more than 100%. I think the Lord knew that some of the Jews would fudge off here, you know, so he made made 12 tribes to get the tithe. The tithe went to the Levites. The Levites gave their tithe. Nobody is exempt from tithing. These preachers aren't exempt. I'm not exempt. The tithe of the people went to the Levites. The tithe of the Levites went to the priest. The tithe of the priest went to the high priest. Everybody tithe because it's a principle of God. And you remember what happened when they did that? And let me tell you, tithing is not all you give because in the, in the Bible, you find more than tithing. You find offerings and alms. In addition, alms went for the poor. Offerings built the buildings. Nowhere in the Old Testament did they they take the tithe of the people and give it to build buildings or to take care of the poor. It was given to the priest and the priest conducted the worship and so the tithe came there. And do you remember what happened when when they were doing that? Moses took an offering to build the buildings. He didn't take it from the tithe. He was obeying God. Just like I ask you for a delete, the dead offering, that's not tithe, that's offering. And Moses asked for it. And they were building the temple. And as they were building the temple, they got so much that he had to say, stop. Oh, I'd love that. (laughs) I would love that if I could just say to you, stop. (laughs) That's enough. We don't need any more. Why don't we do that on Delete to Death? Why don't we do that? Why don't we bring it in so much that I have to stand up here and say, please stop. You're embarrassing us. We got too much. I believe, beloved, that'll happen when we're obedient to God. Also, God says tithing is for our benefit. He said, put me to the test and see if I will not open the windows of heaven. And it was after choosing the disciples, after Jesus gave them the B attitudes, he straightened out their thinking, the good attitudes, then he gave them the rules for, the, for kingdom living and one rule was this. Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over. They will pour into your lap for by your standard of measure it shall be measured to you in return. This is the most uneasy part of my message to you because members of the staff and some of the officers have asked me if I would tell you about my experience uh, in giving. And I want to tell you one thing that I don't think I know God is a God of abundance. I didn't tithe. I never heard much about tithing until after I was converted. I was converted when I was uh, between my junior and senior year in college. And uh, not long after that, I went into the ministry. And that was the first time I tithed. And the reason I tithed, you know why I tithed? Because I was a preacher. And I told other people to do it. Because I was scared if they didn't, I wouldn't get my salary. So I told them to tithe. And I had enough sense to know that I didn't want to walk around. I was afraid of the lightning if I told people to do do something and I didn't do it. And so I tithed and I tithed for years and I wasn't blessed. Really? I had a struggle. I had a small church I didn't make anything. Then I went into preaching evangelism in the Presbyterian Church. Now, if you are in some other kind of ministries, you make a lot of money doing that. I didn't. I made a salary like a, like a missionary. And I got, by, in my early 40s, I got irritated. I said, God, I hear these people say they tithe and you just bring money out of the walls. How come you're not doing that for me? I had, I had to buy clothes on credit. I had to get my car repaired on credit. Now, my wife is sitting right out there and I've given her the privilege. If I tell you anything that's not true, she'll stand up and correct it. So I can't mess around. I got to tell you the truth. She knows. And I got tired of it. And when I was in my early 40s, I began to get bitter. I didn't quit tying, I was scared to quit that. But I was not at all a cheerful giver. And I went down to a little town in Florida called Frostproof. <laughs> it was small, but it was rich. And I didn't know it, but the pastor that called me to preach in his church was independently wealthy. He had inherited a whole lot of money from his daddy. And he made the church pay him a salary. He gave it all to missions. And he made them give him a, made them give him a raise every year. <laughs> he gave it to missions. He took me home one day and he said, Dick, he said, I know you tell us to give to your organization and your organization will meet your needs, which was kind of a lie because it wasn't, but I said that. But he said, I've got a check here and I'm not led to give to your organization. I'm led to give it to you. Now, if you'll take it for yourself, I'll give it to you. If you won't, I'll tear it up. I said, okay. That's all I mean. (laughs) And he gave me the check and I wanted to look at it, you know. But I was trying to be cool, so I just didn't look at it, you know. As soon as I got in my room, I looked at it and I opened it up, and it was a hundred dollars. This was back in, oh, around 1970. Now you may not believe this, my wife knows it's true. You could give me ten thousand dollars today. I'll be back there after the service. I <laughs> want. <laughs> You could give me $10,000 today and it wouldn't mean to me what that $100 meant. Oh, I said, great. I had a, 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 a bill for clothes. I had a bill for my car and I could pay the tithe on it. And that I was so happy. Oh, that man never know how happy that $100 made me. I started praying. God said, give it away. <laughs> I got mad. <laughs> what do you talking about giving Give it away. I don't have enough now. I'm tithing. What else do you want? <laughs> mm. It's a wonder he's let me live. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, I tried to ignore him. I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but suffice it say, I knew it was his will. So one day, I wrote two checks because that check was made out to me. I wrote two checks for fifty dollars, put them in the mail, and mailed them. That hurt. I didn't like it. From that day to this one, I have not hurt financially. God opened the windows. Money started coming to me from everywhere. It really did. I don't want you to think I'm rich but I'm here to tell you I ain't poor and neither will you be if you obey God. I don't know how he'll do it but he's opened that window about five times in my life. The first one, I got a business idea. I was an van. I had to make extra money just, just to, you know, just to make it And I was sitting at my desk one day. God gave me a business idea. And I made some money with that business idea and it changed our whole financial picture. I'm not talking about what you get from your salary. I'm not talking about what you get from your inheritance. I'm talking about what you get from God because he will open that window of heaven and pour you down a blessing. For more information on how to obtain other tapes of Dr. Little's messages or how to have him speak in your church, contact Dick Little's Ministries, 2539 Marymont Drive, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, 27106 or phone area code 336-765-2335.